Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> yeah, let's go. Blow up. Welcome, everybody, to the Wednesday, June 3rd, 2020 edition of Locked On Dolphins, brought to you by Bilt Bar. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, managing editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, NFL draft analyst at DraftNetwork.com. And I got to tell you guys, I'm tickled pink with the Dolphins right now. I've got my Xbox One Madden franchise updated post-NFL draft franchise. And these Miami Dolphins are kicking to a tongue of Iloa. Just took the Dolphins down the field in a minute and 30 seconds. Game-winning touchdown. Ran it in from seven yards out with no timeouts left in 13 seconds to beat the Buffalo Bills. 24-20. Never mind the fact that any of this is you know, actually real. The players are real. The roster is real. The roster is the one we're going to see. Uh, I may or may not have taken liberties and traded for Yannick Ngakwe, but that's neither here nor there, right? Um, defense is good. Looking forward to seeing the real thing. And it sounds like we're going to get a chance to get to see these guys on the field for training camp. That is the expectation at this point in time for when NFL players will be returning to facilities, but... Uh, before we get into some of the, the news that has been revealed over the course of the past 24 hours regarding training camps and teams opening up back facilities and joint practices and all that kind of stuff, uh, we do have some news that is worth discussing, and it involves the Miami Dolphins 2020 NFL draft class. More specifically, we have another signing. We had a nice drought there, but we have another signing. So I want to make sure we address that right out the chute before we get into any of the details for training camp, joint practices, and so on. The Miami Dolphins started the offseason in the immediate aftermath of the 2020 NFL Draft with a purpose, signing the majority of their 2020 NFL Draft class within a span of a five-day stretch earlier last month. But then the trail went cold, and we haven't heard anything on the front of signing the likes of Noah Igbahogany, Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson, and 7th round draft selection Malcolm Perry, former quarterback from Navy. That changed yesterday when Perry's agent tweeted out a congratulations that he had signed his contract with the Miami Dolphins. Perry's a gadget player with potential as a return man on the special teams units. He'll have a fascinating journey in his effort to make the 53-man roster in 2020 and beyond. What is his best chance to make the roster, he's going to have to impress in the kicking game. And I think the Dolphins, if they have prioritizing getting Jakeem Grant out of that role in a return man and they want to maximize his touches on the offensive side of the football, that is a big domino that would help Malcolm Perry immensely. Uh, the, the most likely outcome for Malcolm as a seventh-round pick and a guy who doesn't necessarily have uh, elite physical tools to work with. He's an undersized player. Uh, he's not overly fast. He's more quick than fast. He's very agile in short spaces, but he only ran in the, the high five, five or four fives, low four sixes with, with his long speed. Uh, so 
the most likely outcome for Malcolm Perry is likely that you'll see him end up landing on the practice squad. But if Jakeem Grant is transitioned into more of a true offensive weapon role, Malcolm Perry can take those return duties in both the kick and return game. Now, the Dolphins also have Noah Igbahagany, their first-round pick, who has a track background, much more dynamic speed, and experience returning kicks. So he'll have competition no matter where he falls. The fascinating question for a lot of Dolphins fans is whether or not he ends up being prioritized as running back or a wide receiver. He was listed throughout the pre-draft process, including at the East-West Shrine game in 2020, as a wide receiver, convert, potential slot receiver. Uh, The Dolphins further fed into that by assigning him the number 10, uh, but he has primary experience in the Navy triple option running the football and being the trigger man of a triple option in which he he's rushed rushed for over 2,000 yards last year. So he's got experience uh, with vision and, and the ball in his hands and creating play. So uh, the, the Dolphins really will have plenty of options for where to move Perry. He is a super high football character, uh, high character in general, high IQ individual. Uh, very smart. He's going to fit into Brian Flores' locker room culture almost seamlessly. And it made a ton of sense when that pick came through, uh, knowing the way Brian Flores is trying to build his locker room and, and the kind of individuals and, and character that he covets in players. Malcolm Perry checks all those boxes. So the Dolphins, having made him a draft selection, it's hard to envision they're going to let him slip through their grasps if they have any kind of long-term vision for him at all. And we will get our first clues into what exactly that might be once we see the team hit the field for training camp. Which sets us up for this beautiful segue uh, to talk about the news that came out. The NFL sent out memos on a couple of different fronts to each of the NFL's 32 teams yesterday. Uh, The first significant bit of news was that all NFL teams are not going to be permitted to leave their team facilities for training camp in 2020. That, for the Dolphins specifically, is inconsequential. They held training camp in Davie. It's not as though there's some places, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers go to Latrobe every year and have for almost 60 years and have had training camp in rural Latrobe in the middle of nowhere. And they, they all camp on campus and whatnot. And the Dolphins don't do it that way. Uh, this is the, le- the last year the Dolphins are expected to be in Davie. If you remember, the Dolphins broke ground last August on a $135 million sports complex and training facility uh, for the Miami Dolphins that is in Miami Gardens. So right now, uh, the Dolphins Stadium and the Dolphins' practice facilities and team headquarters is about a 10-minute drive up the turnpike away. So it's, it's not very convenient for having everything all in the same place. That will change starting next year. It's expected by this time next year, the Dolphins will be gearing up to open and host training camp at that new facility in Miami Gardens instead of in Davie. So there's no interruption despite the the mandate from the NFL that you are not allowed 
to host training camp anywhere other than your team facility. And some of the context that we got from from Adam Schefter and other NFL insiders throughout the course of the day yesterday, the NFL wants to make sure that every team can focus on their own headquarters as far as safety procedures and policies amid the COVID-19 pandemic. And the expectation is uh, the league is going to be opening up doors for NFL coaches sooner rather than later. Uh, There's some expectation that that news may drop before the end of this week that coaches will be allowed to enter the building, but not players. The expectation on that front, and there's been some reaffirmation of that this morning from NFL insiders, is that uh, players themselves will not be returning to the facility for mini camps or anything. They will be returning for training camp, and that's the first time, and uh, nothing sooner than that. So uh, we kind of have this holding pattern now. Uh, We know from Miami there's no impact with the news, uh, that there's no training camps anywhere other than team facilities, but that will be a significant deviation for some of the league, but at least we're starting to get some clarity on how the league is going to handle uh, their reopening. The other memo, believe it or not, is not about Bilt Bar, but it could be. The NFL could have sent out a memo to all 32 teams telling them all to buy Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar, if you have not tried these yet, I promise you, I am not pumping the gas on these things for any reason other than I firmly stand behind this product. These are the most delicious protein bars I've ever had. I got my degree from Penn State in exercise science and, and movement sciences and kinesiology. So I'm fairly plugged in on fitness and nutrition and so on and so forth. And I've tried a lot of protein bars in my life. And none of them can hold a candle to Built Bar. Between 110 and 150 calories a piece, uh, you are talking about a very delicious, easy to eat, they eat like candy bars, light snack, whether you want to use it as a meal replacement, post-workout meal, snack throughout the day. It's got as much protein as an average protein bar, one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugars of your average protein bar, and all kinds of flavors. They've got natural ingredients and dark chocolate. They are to die for. And don't just take my word for it. As a listener on Locked On, you can use locked promo code Locked On to save $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. So find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On to save $10 off your first box. The other primary memo the NFL sent out to the teams is a little bit more pertinent to the Miami Dolphins than not being able to travel for training camp. No joint practices in 2020. So obviously with them looking to eliminate as much unnecessary travel as possible. Joint practices are not on the table in 2020, which the Dolphins did last year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ahead of their preseason game. They shared an entire week of practice, three practices. And this year the Dolphins had already been mentioned by Atlanta Falcons head coach Dan Quinn, as well as fellow AFC East Team Buffalo Bills, as potential candidates for undergoing joint practices with the Falcons this summer. That is on ice. That will not happen. Uh, And and it's, it's understandable. From the Dolphins' perspective, the benefit that would have come from cracking pads with another team probably would have been helpful 
you know, in the, the dog days of July and August, and, and especially in the, the sweltering hot heat of South Florida, hitting on your teammates again and again and again and again. You know, there's a mental fatigue there. It's a breath of fresh air to go out and compete against somebody else. Uh, you see tensions run high in a lot of teams every year. Inevitably, every year, about half the teams in the league, there's some kind of scrap or scruff, and, and, and guys, just, they just get fed up. And a chance to hit somebody else kind of provides that mental break to remember, hey, we're all on the same team here. But that that unfortunately will not happen. Uh, Adam Shafter said, NFL just sent a memo to teams informing them that they will not be allowed to hold joint practices with other teams this summer. It had developed into a popular practice in recent years. Um, I guess we're going to have to see how the preseason schedule unfolds. You know, if they're looking to mitigate unnecessary travel, I'll kind of be fascinated to sit back and watch and think about well, if these preseason games materialize. Obviously, from a player safety perspective and from a coaching perspective and evaluation perspective, uh, the preseason's important, uh, just not necessarily for the same reasons that you'd be used to for playing for keeps and games that you keep scoring and count towards the win-loss column when it's all said and done. So um, I guess that's something that we should be monitoring now that the Dolphins have made uh, have been made aware by the NFL that these concessions are being made over the course of the summertime. Before we get any further on the show, I would like to take an opportunity to shout out my guy KP, who left a five-star review on the podcast and uh, gave me some love for, for Locked On Dolphins. Uh, but he did say, um, I commented on your stuff on Twitter once and you didn't seem to like it. So that was rude, bro. Peace. My sincere apologies. <laughs> I appreciate every single one of you guys who interacts with me on Twitter. I might not respond to a law, all of them. Um, I appreciate all of the engagement with the podcast. Uh, it's been overwhelming. I think I've only got two negative reviews, and one of them was because of ads since I started in late February. So I've had the absolute time of my life running this show and talking about dolphins with you guys every day and, and seeing you guys engage with me and bring questions and, and and bring your opinions to the table too. This is all important, you know, and we're all in this together. And, um, you know, as the dolphins look to climb back out of uh, the wallows of, of mediocrity, um, no, we, we're all on the same team here, and, and we all have the same passion. And I have been so thankful to get to know so many of you directly and indirectly throughout the course of my time here on Locked On Dolphins, which uh, seems to be a good time to bring my last topic for the day in because it's a topic we can all agree we're all on the same page with. We hate the Patriots here on Locked On Dolphins. Can't stand them. Which would you rather have? This question was asked to me, and I really struggled with it. Would you rather see the Patriots crash and burn, be terrible for the next two or three seasons, inevitably draft high, secure another quarterback, go through a rebuild process, transition to another coach, and you know see them work their way back to being a, a divisional contender, but endure after two decades of just non-stop winning, plug-and-play winning 11-plus games every single year for two decades. Would you rather see those fans have to endure 3-13 and 
and find out what it's like to be everybody else? Or would you rather watch this team's slide be more gradual, a steady decay, much like the Dolphins saw, right? And before the bottom eventually dropped out seven years after Dan Marino left with a 1-15 season. I selfishly want to see Patriots fans endure NFL normalcy, which is there's there's almost always every five to eight years a really volatile year, a year that nothing goes right, your team's not good, you got to hit the reset button. This team hasn't had to do that. Want to know the last time the Patriots endured a five or less win season, which is what the Dolphins did this past year. My producer's pulling it up. You have to go all the way back to the year 2000, literally 20 years ago, Bill Belichick's first year to find a year that this team won five or less games. You have to go back to 1992 to find the last time the Patriots won less than five games. 1992, I was three years old. These fans are so spoiled, so unbelievably spoiled. They've missed the playoffs twice since 2001. And one of those years, they went 9-7, and seven, it was 2002. And the other year was the year Tom Brady got hurt in 2008 when the Dolphins won the division, and they went, the Patriots went 11-5 and five and missed the playoffs. This team has won at least 10, 12 games, nine of the last 10 years. Played in a whole bunch of Super Bowls. They've played in four of the last six Super Bowls. So that I, I would love to see what the reaction would be from that fan base to, to sit through just an absolute dumpster fire of a season to see how quickly they would sour. But I also understand the dynamic of if the Patriots stink out loud, they're going to be in a position to find an heir for Tom Brady. And that was part of the Dolphins' like blessing and curse, right? Because you think about Dan Marino. When Dan Marino left, this team... Played in the second round of the, the AFC playoffs the year that Dan Marino retired. They lost in the divisional round. And then they went 11 and 5 in each of the next two seasons, and then 9 and 7, and then 10 and 6, all with Jay Fiedler. Ricky Williams comes in, and then Ricky Williams retires. Fiedler's no longer on the roster. Now the bottom drops out. This team goes 4 and 12. And then bounce back to 9 and 7 under Nick Saban, 6 and 10, 1 and 15. Steady decay is a much cleaner transition for the Patriots to not be a AFC landscape problem for a long time. And that's really tempting too. Because if there's a steady decay, maybe they think Jay Stid- Jared Stidham's the answer. Maybe we stick with him for a while. You know, he's kind of growing into the job. And then he hits his plateau, and then they got to make a decision on if they want to invest, keep investing in him or not. And there's a chance that decision goes wrong. 
So I'm saying all this to say I really haven't made up my mind on which I would rather see for the Patriots. Now, of course, we say all this. They're probably going to go 11-5 this year. Watch. Bill Belichick's still there. This team's still going to be a problem. The other selfish motivation for wanting to see the bottom drop out is if Bill Belichick sees the bottom drop out, having accomplished everything that he has, being one of the oldest head coaches in the NFL, might it prompt him to, to hang it up and walk away from the all-time NFL wins record and keep Don Shula's record preserved for potentially another decade or more, depending on what Mike Tomlin does, who seems to be the most prominent threat? You know, if we, we start to see the Patriots 9-7, and 10-6, and six, you know, they're still on a trajectory where if Belichick coaches another six years, he's in the strike zone. And if he coaches four years and realizes how close he is, he might just stick it out just to try and get the record. I haven't decided. I would love to hear your input on this. You can tweet at Locked On Dolphins. I myself am at grinding the tape. If you're not on social media, uh, some people have found me on Instagram at grinding the tape. Please, uh, it's my professional account, not my personal account. Um, or you can leave feedback in the form of an iTunes review, of course, as always. But I would love to hear from Dolphins fans on which they would prefer. What kind of demise and end to the Patriots dynasty would you find more satisfactory? An abrupt, cruel ending that could potentially set the Patriots up to bounce back with another quarterback, an heir, potentially have the Patriots positioned to do what the Indianapolis Colts did, in which this team was great for, for years with Peyton Manning. Manning gets hurt with a neck injury. They're terrible. They draft Andrew Luck. Peyton Manning goes to Denver and plays for the Broncos. And then the, the Patri- and then the Colts have Andrew Luck for seven years of really strong play. Or would you rather see the Patriots' demise mirror that of the end of Dan Marino's tenure where he leaves, the rest of the roster is still quite competent, there's some decent coaching in place, but it tails off. You know, the ceiling's not as high. You're not generally considered Super Bowl contenders, but you're a playoff contender. And then, eventually, the bottom drops out. And next thing you know, you wake up one day, and it's 2028, and the Patriots haven't had a winning season in three years. What would you like to see? You tell me. I appreciate your time here on Locked On Dolphins today. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Stay safe. Uh, Make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast. We got two more shows coming up this week, so plenty more Miami Dolphins football to talk about. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Thanks, as always, for listening. I hope to see you all again tomorrow.